Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Rich Deming on the show. And Rich is the CEO of East Energy Renewables. Welcome to the show, Rich. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet, man. So Rich lives in Farmville, North Carolina, uh, and shares his time going back and forth between that and New York with his fiance and her children. Uh, he's been in the renewable energy industry for the majority of his career. In fact, he was the in the industry before it was really an industry. Uh, and, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about that. Rich believes passionately that if we as a human race can stay focused and understand the true cost of carbon-based energy, we'll unleash a revolution for which fortunes will be made. Will drive national prosperity and security and save our species. Then Rich is the CEO of East Energy Renewables, like we talked about. He's been in the independent power producer space since 2010. So again, Rich, great to have you. Before we dive into your company and your journey, um, what is one interesting fact that not many people know about you? <clears throat> well, let's see. Um, I guess uh, folks that work closely with me figure out <clears throat> eventually um, but I kind of follow, follow a sleep pattern that I, that I think they used to say they, they used to do in medieval times, which is I go to sleep early, I wake up at about two, and I'm up for a couple of hours. And so oh. I use that time and I send a lot of emails. And so that nobody thinks I'm crazy, I schedule them all to go out at seven. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I go back to sleep for another three hours. And it's, uh, I, it, rather than being stressed out about insomnia, I've just kind of made that part of my lifestyle. That is very interesting. So is that pretty much every night you get up and for two hours do that? It is. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. It's um, I, I used to be kind of concerned about it. And then, you know, I've kind of read in researching it that it used to kind of work that way. That's kind of a it's kind of a natural human sleep cycle. And so I've kind of just embraced it. Wow. I had not heard that. Uh, that's very, very interesting. Um do you get to bed like pretty early too? Do you get to bed yeah, like I, nine I try or ten? To be asleep before ten. I try to be. Um, yeah. I, it's my reading time, so I try to get in bed by about. This is embarrassing to admit, and my teenagers think it's funny, but by about eight thirty or nine, and I like to read read for a good solid hour, hour and a half. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, it helps put you to sleep too, depending on what you're reading, I guess. Uh, does that bug your fiance getting up like that in the middle of the night, or she well, probably she got used really, to it too? Now she sleeps through it. You sleep through it? Okay, right on. Very cool. Awesome. So so tell us about East Energy Renewables. <clears throat> so East Energy Renewables. Um, so when you said uh, um, I had been in this space since before it was a space, that goes back to more like 2002. I had bought some land in the mountains uh, uh, in uh, near Asheville, North Carolina, uh, but was okay. burnt out on running a construction company down in Florida for quite a while and, and yeah. um, learned that I could not... Um, get power up to the top of the mountain. And so it made me start studying, you know, what the heck am I going to power this cabin with? Interesting. Um, too many trees for solar and, and not a good spot for wind and settled on bio, biodiesel, but didn't want those fumes or settled on a generator, but didn't want those fumes. <clears throat> so I, I, I discovered biodiesel. That sort of sent me down this long journey 
Um, but um, um, that, those first few years were, were pretty um, interesting uh, because there wasn't really a market or a business model for any of this kind of stuff. Um, I had a passion for it and went back to school for it, took coursework for it and messed around with little things. Um, and then really at the beginning of the recession, I was in a consulting firm and we were able to channel quite a bit of that recession recovery money um, into the North Carolina region. Um, Department of Energy recovery um, funding and, and also help, you know, administer several of the projects. So I was in that space for quite a while. And um, consulting was interesting, especially interesting when you're still learning a, an industry. Um, and then um, as that tapered down, I got a real hankering to actually <clears throat> sort of, first of all, a hankering to put some steel in the ground uh, myself. And then also a hankering after my six, seven years um, playing at having a renewable energy business, I kind of felt a, a compelling need to, to rebuild some net worth. Um, and so I, I, from my construction days, I wanted to take my, my development skills uh -huh. and apply them to renewable mm -hmm. energy. And so started doing that. We, when I say, you know, you, you look on my LinkedIn, it says independent power producer, because right. we we work on sort of an infrastructure as a service model. So we, we go to a private industry, or um, more often a government, and we, um, we offer in return for long-term contracts for, for power offtake or for, mm -hmm. for waste disposal, um, we offer to come in and build it ourselves, and then we own and operate it and hold it for the long term. Mm. Um, that's kind of the model. And um, it's, it's worked out um, remarkably well after those challenging first years. Um, and, and um, um, you know, I think the the future is shockingly bright, particularly since the IRA passed last year. Mm. Tell us more about that. How has that uh, impacted your industry? Well, it's interesting. So the IRA law, I don't, if you had any kind of eye on what happened, there was the Build Back Better and there were just the, the right. kind of standard DC shenanigans. Uh, a lot of uh, broker um, brinkmanship, I should say, and a lot of going back and forth and then then. Um, it kind of appeared to be all but dead. <clears throat> and um, frankly, I was walking around my office telling my team, you know, you know, everyone needs to start getting used to the about two years from now, I think I'm probably gone. Um, I think it's probably time for me to retire. And, and yeah. uh, I've, I've fought the good fight, you know, for a long, long time. Every single project was a, 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 a conundrum of its own that you had to unravel with shifting tax credits, shifting financial expectations from the, in the capital stack, shifting, mm. just everything shifting, shifting sure. technologies. And, and, you know, by the time you get two or three in the ground and, and, and they're successful, you kind of feel like that's a career's worth. Mm. Um, it's funny, back in 2009, when I was thinking about getting into development, there was a fellow who gave a presentation in DC, and he was one of the, one of the early guys that got 20 megawatts put in, in place. And he made the statement that if you want to be a renewable energy development, developer just ask yourself if you feel like getting up every day and running as fast as you can into a wall because <laughs> he said Sounds that's like what it feels like pretty much know? what it's like yeah as another mentor back then said i mean you just have to have the right suspension for it you're going to hit massive potholes every day and if it totally throws you for a loop it's not the right it's not the right business for you and um, so it was, you know, it was tricky. And um, every single year, or at least every other year, it, it was kind of an ongoing joke. After Christmas, 
but before New Year's, I'd be out mm-hmm. pouring some concrete somewhere as a transformer mm-hmm. pad and doing some some work off site, buying some pieces of equipment because you were trying desperately to lock in a tax credit that was going to expire. You would go through that that charade, and then by about March, they would renew it, um, and so it didn't matter. And so, mm-hmm. um, at the same time, it would be slightly different, and, and everybody would 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 not understand it, and and then and so. So anyway, it was very tedious and very difficult. Right. It was one reason you didn't see a lot of projects. Um, now, slowly, solar started to get pretty homogenized, standardized, and, 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 and didn't have some of the same tax credit shenanigans, although they still had that those too. And you started to see an explosion in solar. Now, I'm more in a waste energy and bioenergy and bio okay. math space, and, and it's, it's, never been, it's never been very easy. So that was kind of feeling like it was winding down. I mean, I was going to leave a strong company with, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with you know, 20, 30 folks and a good 15-year prospects out ahead of us, long-term utility contracts. Right, right. It felt like enough. Um, the IRA law, by laying out a 10-year pathway, um, mm. 10-year runway for planning, for, for development, um, by creating some consistency, and, and some expectations that you can operate in mm-hmm. um, really changes everything. I mean, it, 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 there's probably there's probably a generation of, of energy renewable energy executives like myself that were were getting close to wandering off that have probably decided to double down um, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a shocking sea change from everything we're it's used a big to change. Yeah. the very beginning. Um, and so that's that's changed my thinking a lot. I'm kind of doubled down and recommitted to a longer term build mm-hmm. um, instead of Thinking of the exit strategy, we're, we're building a national development plan um, to take everything we've learned and, and to scale it. And, and, and scale is essential. And scale was never possible in renewable energy development. And, and I think now it is. And so it's an exciting time. I mean, the numbers are large, um, both the, the numbers of, of, of emissions reductions and, and the numbers of capital deployed and and. and mm-hmm frankly, the profit opportunity and, and it, it, the opportunity cost is too high to walk away from. Gotcha. So you have, so, so ag waste to energy biomass. Um, can you explain what that really means for some people that may not be familiar? Yeah. So, you know, there's this, you can make, you can make intermittent clean energy with solar and with wind, um, which is, which is amazing and great. I mean, right. compared to I mean, shocking if you went back 40 years to think where that has gotten. Um, and, and I have a lot of respect for those folks. And we, and I've done a little solar too. I mean, I've, I've done some development of uh, five or 10 megawatts. I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at. But um, um, where I really find a passion is in not only making energy, but in diverting pollution and waste streams into fuel for clean energy. Um, mm-hmm. And so that can be a lot of things. There's a lot of controversy around full-on waste to energy, um, which which it's been done pretty poorly in the past. Like say an incinerator burning trash and spinning a turbine. Right, right. Et cetera. Um, and then in the and, and we're not in that space. Um, not that I have anything against it. Um, then then there's the space of ag waste. So um, if in North Carolina, for instance, if there is a massive poultry operation uh, um, industry here. Um, mm. by some accounts they say they say you can take six counties in Eastern North Carolina and it creates six, one sixth of the proteins in the United States. I mean, it's massive farming. What? Holy cow. It is a, and that's, and that's, that's chickens, turkeys, pigs, everything. 
it's a massive amount of waste. And, and the way that waste is dealt with is, is dangerous for long-term implications because there's a lot of land distribution. If the nitrogen, the nitrogen gets fixed, if the phosphorus and potassium doesn't get fixed in crops, it, when the rains come, it ends up in the creeks and the waterways, and then you have fish kills in the, in the, in the estuaries. So um, you've seen a lot more of that up with the Delmarva Peninsula, et cetera, but North Carolina will get there eventually. So you can take that waste, um, for instance, swine waste, you can use it as fuel in a digester. Um, the, the, the waste breaks down in the digester. It creates a methane, which is really a renewable natural gas. Um, and that so when you say waste, I mean, you're talking the, the excretion, the crap of the animals. The actual, yep. I, the I, shit I, of the animals. You're, that's I, what you're using I, for fuel. I have been known out here as the chicken shit king of Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Ag waste. Yeah, all right. Makes sense. Okay, cool. So, so this is the actual waste. No, no, but ag waste can mean a lot of things. I mean, from in, in Iowa, it could mean the waste after the corn is processed. And, and well, that's what I thought it was. I it thought can be it was rice just... husks. It can be, yeah. really yeah. be anything that gets left over after the ag processes. And, and then mm -hmm. there's not a great, there's not something great to do with it. Almost invariably, there's a lot of energy value in that. You chicken shit burner, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, cool. So how many, how many of those plants do you guys have right now? Well, so we opened our first one in 2019, actually, and it's okay. a it's a 200 ton per day. It's a thermal and electricity equivalent to somewhere about 15 megawatts, and okay. then we have two more underway um, nearby. The whole circle of our projects are within about 40 miles of each other, um, and so those will all those will both come online in 2024. Um, we, we have aspirations to build a fourth one to kind of round out the, the uh, collection of them. Uh -huh. um, and, and so that represents a deployment of if, if what we have underway right now, a deployment of about 120, 130 million dollars. Um, and then, um, you know, wow. it'll, it'll, grow, it'll, it'll go from there um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with what we build in the future. Got it. So, so you had you you had alluded before to kind of this nationwide expansion. Uh, tell me more about that. Like, what what does that look like for you guys? So, right now we're we're building these plants in North Carolina, right? And it's um, really a function of a law that was passed in two thousand and seven, I think. Um, yeah. And that law, the the Renewable Energy Portfolio Standard. There were 37 of those laws passed in the United States, and they basically told the utility company, you have to buy a certain amount of your energy from renewable resources. Right, right. Now, at the time, there was, you know, the utilities were freaking out a little, I think, because it was just such a tiny percent. It was, it's, it was a big, it was a big lift. At this point, pretty much everybody's um, fulfilled those. In those 37 states, only one of those states was a southern state, North Carolina. It was pretty progressive back at that point. And, um, and really, the way it got done was Big Ag stepped in and said, we got a problem, and, and we'll get behind this, too, with you environmentalists if you put a carve out for pollution in the ag industry. Mm. So they did that. So it's a very unique spot in the United States to have these levers. And so there happens to be a very specific renewable energy certificate for poultry litter. And um, we're, we, we and a few others have, have been pretty successful at kind of fulfilling that obligation. Now, 
the reason I say we have hopes to build another one, we've, we've kind of started to build our renewable energy certificate stack to build a, a fourth plant. Okay. Um, but at, at that point, if we build a fourth plant, we will have a, about 75% of all of the RECs um, obligations in North Carolina. And um, with another couple of plants and then some smaller things, that's really kind of tapped out. Yeah. Um, without that incentive, you're competing with the use of this product as a fertilizer. You have to buy it. You're not getting paid to take this, even though it's even though it's a source of pollution, it's also used as fertilizer. And that's um, up for debate on whether that, how much or whether that should be done, um, but it, it is what it is. So, so envisioning the end of that economic driver, we definitely have our eye on <clears throat> using the lessons we've learned, both from this series of projects and from other renewable stuff. My partners and I come from various aspects of this space. I have two lawyers and an engineer who are my partners and nice. they've, um, they've, we, they all have a background in renewable energy. And so we come from various places in the industry, uh, uh, funds that fund the projects, developers, sure. et cetera. And so we've really are putting together the toolkit that it takes um, to, to do this nationally. And that's um, what, what I really want to do before I get out of here is to, to create a fully scaled development uh, machine. Um, and, and, and what does that take? It, it, the problem with development, and I've got some, <laughs> I, should, I could have printed them out and hold them up for you, but um, in, as part of this interesting engagement I have with my partners and development team, <clears throat> a lot of times renewable energy development has been this bizarre start-stop by the time you get a, it takes a year to get a utility contract. Negotiated. Right, right. It takes a year to get a site, and then it's it takes a, yeah, it takes a year to do to get your air permit and and all these things, and and often each one of them wants you to do the others first, and so mm. try to make it concurrent. Frankly, being a developer is a lot of tap dancing around and smoke and mirrors because you have to act like to each one of these pursuits, you have the other pursuits. Mm. And so, I mean, nobody wants to mess around with you and negotiate a power. Yeah, yeah you have all the other puzzle pieces. Yeah. Nobody wants to negotiate with you mm. about a site if you don't already have Interesting. a power purchase agreement. Okay. So you get this yeah. bizarre thing. Probably the hardest thing, at least in bioenergy on top of it, is the EPC agreement, which, which happens, which, which is just painful. Um, and so it's interesting. Uh, um, so you you put all these things together and you edge it to the finish line and you edge it to the finish line. Then when you got all these pieces, then you go to finance and you start negotiating with finance. Now, when you're in a, yeah. a, a cutting edge spot like bioenergy, uh -huh. that in itself is a shocking process. I mean, it's by the time you get you, funding. Yeah. Well, by the time you, you deal with that process and, and it is. I would say Kafka-esque. <laughs> you, everyone you deal with, we're going to do this deal tomorrow, and here's a term sheet, and then it, and then it's it's a year later, and it's a shocking um, um, it's a shocking process. It's not for the faint of heart. So by the time you go through all that, you're lucky to have a project done. And, and frankly, I was standing on a site, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with one of my partners, and I'm mid fifties, and I said I don't have it in me to keep doing this. I'll do one more. I mean, yeah, every yeah. one of these takes three, four years, and I just don't, you know, I got. Other it takes three or four years off your life too. I know. I said I, I got other things I can go do. Uh huh. With the IRA law, we kind of had an understanding of if we just change that development process, um, and, and what it takes is, and we're still having this debate internally, but. 
what it takes is you, you need a standardized set of docs. We don't go into Ford Motor and then negotiate out the finance contract. You either sign no. or you don't. Right. Um, you need a you need a, a, a fully agreed standard set of docs. You need a, a target rich, large um, number of sites you can go to. Mm. So if you go to a site and 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 so we've been working on the data set of, of sixteen thousand sites across the United States. So we really only have to wow. get a percent of those. And okay. at 30 and $40 million a project, we really only need 1% of those. And you're talking some large numbers. Sure, sure. But you need to be able to go out there with a strong uh, engineering Salesforce machine and hit those sites. And frankly, if they need a year to negotiate it and they need a sea of red, red in, in the contract, uh, red lines, et cetera, you need to move on to the next site. It's just not for you um, because, mm-hmm. because, you're never going to scale when you take a year to negotiate utility. Yeah. Yeah. So there's roadblocks all over the place. Yeah. So you got to have the standardized docs that you got to have a very target rich and large um, um, site um, environment. You got to have a tech approach kind of a, I think of it as a toolkit. So when we think of our sites, um, there are about five things we could do on that site using various aspects of what we've learned. You could do a biomass project. You could do a buy a digester project. You could do, um, we're, we're, we're working in green hydrogen at this point. You could do a, um, mm. there are multiple different things and what you have to, what that needs to be standardized as well. So you need those pretty much designed and ready to take off the shelf and click into place. Now, maybe it's a dual biomass digester project with a solar adder Mm -hmm. because you're going to make some hydrogen. I mean, we're doing all those things. You need those things in place. You need to be able to go to a site, do do a site analysis, send an engineer out there, come back, and first of all, be able to say, we could do these four things right because these are the inputs and the the, the levers. We could do these four things. This is what it looks like. Here's the pro forma. Here's the doc set. Put it in front of the folks in a, in a proposal. Mm. Give them a give them a few weeks. And, and if they get if, if they can't, um, if, if their their decision making process is too lengthy or difficult, move on. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You just can't you can't get yeah. bumped. That's the only way we're going to get hundred sites done before I'm out of here. And and that's that's the goal. Is in, in my mind, sites. I I would like East Energy should have a hundred sites done. Um, when it, when it's over and and that will be, we were already facing some explosive growth that will be truly explosive growth. And so, uh, but it's going to take, it's going to take upending the development process completely. Uh Um, and so we're, we're, we're whiteboarding that out and diagramming it out and having debates. And and you guys are creating the system for the development process and and creating the doc set and everything. And it's interesting because we don't have a ton of overlap on our team. And then, and even in the the teams under under the principals, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's interesting coming from an engineer, a, a lawyer. A, I guess I would call myself a generalist. Yeah, they're coming from all different directions. It's interesting because that old adage that to a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Because yeah. even internally, even having done this for half a decade or longer, to just with this exact team, mm. we each see that development process differently. We eat, mm, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic to realize that this thing that you've done together over and over, you actually see it differently, you know. Yeah. And so, so brainstorming that out with some very experienced, very sharp folks has been a pleasure. 
and um, and um, just just kind of really looking forward. We're we're assembling the data set. We're assembling the toolkit, the technology toolkit. We're trying to solve for EPC. EPC, like I said, is brutal in the bio. What's what's EPC again? Sorry, yeah, EPC is is engineering procurement and construction. Okay. And it it doesn't sound like it, but it's actually a term of art in finance. Finance will not come in on a project if there is not an EPC contract. And that means a full wrap on the entire project that somebody has a balance sheet and a bond that's going to stand up if, if the project doesn't work. Got and it. so, you know, we could easily hire a, a group that comes in and puts a building up and then a group that puts a boiler in it and then a group that puts conveyors to the boiler. We know how to do that. We have construction. Sure, background. Sure. But the problem is if one part of that fails, whoever probably is at fault is going to bring in the lawyers and blame every other part. And it's in finance is never going to be made whole. Yeah, so yeah. they require a single wrap. And so a lot of, a lot of what we're scratching our head on and reaching out to <coughs> many people in the industry is how do we solve for EPC in a way that does not break the project? I mean, if the project, Sure, you can throw money at anything and solve for it. But if the project's mm. double in cost, it's never going to pencil out. It's never going to get built. And so, so that, that piece is tough. And, and so we're putting all those pieces together. Yeah. And we're doing a different thing here, though. Uh -huh. we're, we're going to some, some well-liked and trusted yeah. finance partners. And right. we're saying to them, we have a $5 billion deployment opportunity here. Mm -hmm. we, can do, we can do the debt part at a reasonable rate. For the, for the sponsor part, the private equity part, we need a full long-term partner. We yeah. need that partner to operate in a way that is not standard project development. You don't wait for mm -hmm. us to do everything mm -hmm. and then you do your due diligence. You need to diligence our doc set. You need to diligence all our, that set ahead of time. our target audience. Yeah. And <laughs> to use that analogy again, this needs to be Ford Motor Company. When we check these five boxes, you can do some standard short diligence and then yeah. you fund you do not we do not spend two years talking to you about funding so do you already have the pe firm your partner that you're going to be working with uh chosen uh, or you is that in, in the process right now no let me put it this way in the space we've been in i mean our first project we went through a private equity shoot six times um and and yeah. and, and, and and for those six who we got to know all too a lot much. of energy yeah 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 well that's what i mean it took two years when of those six who we know all too well, that we probably dealt with with 15 more. And then the second project, we did the same thing. And then the second, third project, fewer each time. Yeah. But we know a lot of people in this space. And there's some people we couldn't, we just couldn't get a deal done. Their 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 model is a little different. They they want to take all the equity and give you distribution rights. Um, we never would want to, we just refuse to go there because yeah. distribution rights are not the same as owning property. <clears throat> Right, right. There's different models, and and they they were great guys, and we enjoyed them. And I say great guys, great guys and, and gals. <laughs> we enjoyed them, um, but we just couldn't we couldn't get over the finish line with them. But yeah. we we made a lot of connections. And two of my partners used to be in a fund. I think all three of my uh -huh. partners, one point or another. I, I've always been on the developer side, but I've been in funds. Uh -huh. We know a lot of people. Okay, and yeah. So what we're doing as we assemble this plan is we are going. I mean, I, there's a group on the West Coast I like a lot, a group in New York I like a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Heck, there's a group up in Boston I like a lot. We're, we're touching base with these folks and say, this is what's coming. There will be yeah. a very specific execution plan. 
we're going to sign up with somebody as a strategic partner for the long haul. Right, right. You're going to have to do some diligence before we start. You're, you're not going to say, when you get your project all wrapped up, come talk to us. We're just not, yeah. not going to be our partner. Yeah, because then you're going to sit idle while they're looking at something and then you could lose the opportunity or it gets delayed. Like you want to be able to jump when it's time to jump. It is brutal. You, you start... Yeah. Finance says, oh, great. When you get your stuff done, get over here. And, and by that, they mean your utility offtake, your waste supply, your site, your, your EPC. You get all of those done and then you have a clock ticking. I mean, those all are going to expire if you don't get over the finish line. Yeah. But meanwhile, you're going through this maddening due diligence yeah. process. Right. Maddening note negotiation process. And the clock's ticking over here. And you're negotiating with somebody who knows the clock's ticking. I mean, they, they 100%, whether they're good guys or not, they're business people. And they're thinking, well, the clock's not ticking on me, but it's sure ticking on it's ticking you. on you. <laughs> and that is good, not a good place to be for negotiation. No. <laughs> it is madness. And so um, now, now I've had some additional knowledge since then. I, I got in my head, we should have a fund. And so <laughs> about a year, a year and a half ago, went into the mechanics of starting up a fund dealing with SEC lawyers and dealing with the, the mechanic, all of the stuff. And when I realized what it's like to have money with a clock ticking on it, sitting in your bank account um, um, with interest pending mm-hmm. and you've got cost of finding projects, diligence oh, yeah. projects. These guys usually have fancy offices and travel pretty fancy oh, yeah. they pay pretty well. When I realized that dynamic on their right, side, I realized right, right. it's almost, it's probably as brutal for them too. And that probably is, yeah. probably explains some of the decision-making I saw that I just blatantly thought was trying to take advantage of me. They've got their own right. set of questions. Yeah. They're accountable to limited, limited partners and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. That's yeah. brutal. So I, I after I got it, I, I saw enough of it to say, I don't want to be in the fun business. I want to have a good partner who's in the fun business. There it is. There it is. So this is pretty aggressive uh, vision that you have. 100, 100 deployments. Um, in is there a certain time frame that you have uh, set this out for? Well, I don't think they'd all be built, but I mean, like I said, I feel like the I feel the like sites. the IRA yeah. gave us a nice runway of ten years. Um, I, I would okay. like them, I would like them to be underway um, yeah. by that point. Um, wow. It's aggressive as heck. Look, if we got, I love it. Hey, I mean, that's 30, that's what inspires people, right? If we got 30 done, it would be a shocking Grand Slam home run. But I, just the way I'm built, I have to say 100. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Get, get that big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Uh, yeah. And why not? I mean, long after I, I fade out, there should be a team in place continuing to keep going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when do you think you'll have your first um, uh, launch past or, or at least going after the first site past your fourth deployment that you're looking at in North Carolina? When do you think you'll be ready for that national expansion? You know, it's interesting. We, we just from our previous, our previous time, we probably have, we probably have 10 great sites in the can. Um, so it's, it's, it's a matter of growing. Um, you know, we, we've got to go from 25 people to 75 people this year. So we're, we're, it's a constant, it's, it, yeah. there's some growth, I wouldn't say growth pains, there's some growth, a lot of work to make that growth happen, especially a lot of work. We've become really focused on, on equity and diversity. <clears throat> the power plant industry is not historically um, super diverse. Um, mm. Decent racial diversity, not good gender diversity. And right, so right. We're, we're, <laughs> We're really focused on on that, um, and it's has been challenging. I mean, we are we are we're joining groups like Women in Energy, and we're we're trying to push ourselves into 
so many different places because we would really like to up in that that dynamic. Um, so we're, we're going, we're taking our time a little bit. Um, first of all, some of the guidance is still shaking out from the IRA. So so mm-hmm. rushing in, in, in first might, might be stupid. So is the, the gender diversity, um, is there anything driving that other than your internal desire to have that inclusivity? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to. I don't want to act like I'm the wokest cat on earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I, what really happened is we have teams and they've, they've got decades of experience and, and they're great, great guys. I love them. Yeah. And, and um, I do notice that people's answers usually pretty similar to what it would have been before. And, and it's a little bit of an eco, echo chamber there. I, some of our guys have worked together for 30 years running power plants and, yeah. and um I actually said to, after about a year and a half of operation, I said, we don't have any women in that power plant. And I said to my HR guy, what? I guess nobody applies. Huh? It just seems weird. We put all these positions up on up on, uh, on um, LinkedIn, et cetera. And I was a little shocked when the answer came back, eh, about 20%. And I said, well, how come I have 20%? How come nobody bubbled up? And it's like, well, right. Frankly, they had less experience. There's no toehold in the industry for them. There's no, you know, this or that. Frankly, some of it is, I think the Me Too thing scared the heck out of a lot of guys. And there's feedback about, I don't want to be on a night shift with a woman. You know what I mean? Right, and right, right. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors like that. You kind of have to chew through. But you know, faced with a brutal labor market, I mean, it's just it just becomes pretty obvious. Wait a minute, you cannot exclude half of the half of the labor market. Sure reasonably and pull this up it's just bad for business to not have the workers it's bad for for being a dynamic business to not have the point the different point of view the different way of working absolutely absolutely and and so it's it's become really important to us um you know one of the most exciting things that we're working on in, in this business is it was also kicked off by some provisions of the IRA, which are for apprentice programs. Now we don't have to have the apprentice programs because we don't build the plant. That's the EPC. Right, right. But really started looking at them. My first thought was I want my HR department. If I say this contractor says they've got an apprentice program, is it legit? I want them to know yeah. what is a legit apprentice program. Turns out it's a it's a complicated um, question goes back to the, the Great Depression programs and goes back to an actual official apprenticeship program registered at the federal or state level is a very specific thing. Um, so we've been working with the state now for about three months, and um, we, we hope to have the program put in place in June. Mm. There's a, there, and it's a full-on apprenticeship program. Um, so if you're rolling out of high school or you're in community college and, and you're probably not going to go to college, you can, you can come in. And it's a very specific four-year program that you will yeah. get. You will get a college certificate. You will take, I think it's 10, 10 community college courses, five are required, right. Right. and then five, five are optional. Could be PLC programming, could be basic welding. Could you can decide which way your expertise is going to go. But when that when that time is over, first of all, you're going to get paid the whole four years. And when that time is over, you will have a certificate. And you will be qualified to, to be a control room operator in a power plant. Now, that's a wow. $65,000 a year job. Um, oh, geez. Come out to California. It's 100, 150. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm out here. Easily. I'm out here. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was 10 years ago, man. It's maybe even higher. We're, 
keep in mind, and I, and I should talk about that too, industrial versus utility scale, but, but um, keep in mind we're small power plants out in the country, but but that's a, that's a, that's a range starting there, but more importantly, that's the job that you start from and you can end up being assistant plant manager, plant manager. Yeah. It's a great career. And so it, it's a great, prosperous career that you can come out. You can come out and start out of high school. So that that stuff makes me really proud. I came out. My my dad swung a hammer. I come from a blue collar sure. family. First kid to go sure. to college, and um, um, I love the idea of, of opening up that labor force to a lot of people. Wow. I mean, yeah, you you just lit up when you start talking about that, and, and I think it's it's such a programs like that are, are are so needed. Like the the Votech schools are, you know, they're just they're disappearing. You know, there's this huge gap. It's either college or like work at Burger King. And, and mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, not a place sometimes for, for people who are good with their hands and, 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 you know, learn by doing and, and who love to do. So I, I that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, very it's cool. a good thing we're doing. You know, I mentioned utility versus, versus industrial. I think that's an important part is, is um, these 15 megawatts is tiny for a power plant. Sure. And, yeah. It makes it hard to, without the economies of scale, it makes it hard to pull off, but um, yeah. we we adamantly when I say waste energy has been done badly in the past, I mean mass open burn <laughs> near metropolitan area. Gee, what could go wrong? Of course, it's right, terrible. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's one reason waste energy is seen so negatively. But um, um, we believe that's utility scale. We believe in industrial scale. And that is, it's a it's in the right place. It's yeah. an industrial park or it's an industrial um, um, place. It's it's appropriately sized the energy yeah. export is well used both on the heat and the power side it's it's eight trucks a day not a hundred trucks a day oh, it's okay. a 90 day minor source yeah. air permit not yeah. a five-year yeah. um you know yeah. major major source so it's it's key for us is really distributed and appropriately sized Got it. So I think I'd share with you, I was, I was an engineer at a power plant and then it was a vendor and, and I actually worked at a lot of, uh, not ag to waste, but it was more wood to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they would, they would, uh, actually reuse the ash. Uh, they would be able to sell it in, in different things. One, they would sell it a lot of times. One, um, one of their biggest contracts was they would resell it to, um, a, uh, hardy, uh, fiber, mm-hmm. fiberboard cement siding. Mm-hmm. They would use the ash as part of their raw material. Yeah. Are you guys able to reuse uh, ag to waste uh, ash? Well, we, we actually um, have, a, it's, it's kind of a nice circular economy thing. So I mentioned that this litter causes pollution. There's nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Nitrogen gets fixed. The plants need all that nitrogen all day long. Yeah, yeah. Potassium and phosphorus um, don't fix and end up in the waterways, hence the fish kills. Right. The interesting thing about our plant is when when the ash, 10% of the material comes out the backside of ash, the nitrogen's gone from the, from the, the gasification slash combustion <clears> process. <throat> uh-huh. The um, potassium and phosphorus is all still there. Mm. And so it's sitting in that ash. So it gets sold to the fertilizer industry. Only now they can they can dose it correctly. And so it's 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 a nice sustainability story. So we get to sell that. That's yeah, that's awesome. And I forgot that's the other thing that they used to use it for is when the big pot industry was coming around, they would sell it to pot farmers mm-hmm. for fertilizer and they were making a lot of money on their ash, which was interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, very cool. Awesome, man. Well, so awesome to have you on the show. Another quick question before we kind of uh, get to wrapping up. Um, if you were to have, which you're going to at some point here, uh, have a CEO come in and take over the reins of your company, what's the one book that you would require that they read before 
you uh, have them come in. Yeah, that's a really rough one. There's some amazing books. Uh, dense. Yeah. I, I think it'd be really good to understand how history has shaped society, how energy has shaped society through, throughout history. And there, and there are amazing books and there are amazing studies about, I don't know, the way you can think of industry as a, as a part and parcel mm. uh, of, of, of an economy. I mean, kind of energy in and entropy out and et cetera. Um, so there's a lot of dense stuff on the bookcase. And, and um, but I, I was actually, you mentioned that question might come up previously. Actually, yeah. right now I'm reading this book, Range. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a, why generalist Trump in a specialized world and it's funny, one of my teenagers was working for us and during a, a Christmas break, and he said, I don't know what Rich does, but he starts every meeting off saying he's the dumbest guy at the table. And what I mean huh. by that is I always have a table full of engineers, really bright engineers, yeah. and, and really bright lawyers and really bright finance specialists. And, and I kind of always say, and I have no idea what I do. Um, and, and of course, that's it's, uh, You're the generalist in a sea of uh, specialists. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's the ability to to speak to each of those different specialists and, and somehow corral them and push them forward. And, and and I think in our society, just like just just like everybody doesn't need to go to college. I mean, I've got three four teenagers that are are trying to think through their future. I don't think everyone needs to be um, one of the standard prestige things at all. I mean, I I, I think sometimes you can see. You can see charisma and leadership and ability. Absolutely, and, sure. And think, you know, your 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 talents would be better used pushing forward a team of specialists with those prestige titles. Um, and so, I read that book, and, and one of the, one of the really cool things, that, and and it was just just a discussion of tactics versus strategy, um, which is you think you kind of understand, but it's kind of hard to understand. And and um, yeah. really interesting insights into how everyone's freaked out about uh, AI and it, and it was talking about chess and it was there, there's you know once once the computer beat the, the best human then everybody thought oh it's all over and there are now leagues where it's it's a team of a, of a computer and a human on each side because oh, the wow. is way better at strategy and when the computer is really only good at a massive horsepower of tactics Sure. And so that's a, and so it kind of interesting kind of goes to that that concept that AI is not going to take your job. Somebody using AI is going to take your job, and, and yes. it, it's a very interesting space. Yes. Wow. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Th definitely. Thanks for sharing. Um, so, so, Rich, awesome to have you on the show. If if there was one takeaway that you'd really want uh, an up and coming leader, uh, perhaps someone looking to get into this space or not, but up and coming CEO to learn uh, and take away and absorb, what would that be? I mean, we, we, you know, you started off with, in my bio, you, you pulled that from my LinkedIn thing, which is, which was a highly pretentious sounding thing I wrote a decade and a half ago, <laughs> and I just can't take it down because now it's kind of going true, coming true. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, there are weird periods in human history and um, the industrial revolution, the computer revolution, uh, um, um, where things just changed shockingly and radically and there's a tipping yeah. point and it's and it's 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 um i i firmly believe we we brought ourselves to the brink of cataclysmic climate change i mean part of me wandering off was maybe i'll just go to an island and watch the water come up right, um, right. and it was and it it is amazing i was out in, in silicon valley and to realize all of the big brains in tech are coming into climate tech and and, and, and kind of shocking to go oh wait I, i'm in, i'm in that space and i've been in that mm -hmm. space for 20 mm -hmm. years so mm -hmm. it's um 
what I would what I would tell somebody is, I mean, this is an opportunity, and you don't have to do it like I did, like 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 uh, frittering away your net worth because there wasn't really a thing such as this industry. Yeah. You are at a, at a pivotal moment that right. will be seen as transformative in the history of the human species, and essentially, and essentially will have saved it. It's still going to be ugly. There's there's still going to be some bad weather stuff. There's still going to be some things, but I, I think we pulled back from the brink by with this leadership shown in the IRA law that everybody has mm. to follow. If you're a young professional today, you can be part of this thing, mm. which is unlike anything else you can do anywhere else. I mean, you can mm. be part of it. And, and frankly, you can align, you can do, you can do well by doing good. I mean, because you can be part of the good fight and you can also have a highly remunerative career. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting you say that, too, because um, since the pandemic, since everything that's occurred with the, the you know, the, the quiet quitting and, and, you know, people leaving and everything is that the people have really started evaluating um, their purpose in life. And can they live their purpose in life through their company? And I think the statistic now, Gallup did the statistic last year, it's like 88% of millennials feel that their company should be involved in solving at least one of the major problems of the human race. And so, so I think, A, what you're doing is obviously noble, but you're going to, with this vision, this massive vision, you're probably already seeing it. You're, you're finding people that are, you're, you're attracting people that, that want to do that, that, that are excited by the same vision that you have. Yeah, we want mission-oriented people. We want, um, and we don't want that to. We don't want that to exploit a bunch of extra work out of them. Um, I mean, we we, no. we want a good work work yeah. life balance. We we everyone can be as remote as they want, is and their job allows, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, we want um, mission-driven people. We also yeah. want friendly people with a sense of humor. I mean, we we love our dynamic yeah. group, but you need to be highly competent and mission-driven as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Awesome, Rich. Um, if our any of our listeners wanted to reach out and, and get a hold of you for any questions about uh, renewable energies or your company or to potentially even work with you guys going forward, how, how could they do that? Um, I guess um, I'll go and get my email, rich at eastenergyllc.com. And okay. um, you can also look, look, look at our website, EastEnergyLLC.com, and and um, you can follow that through to our LinkedIn page, where we every every week we're posting up a couple of updates, some 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 operational thing going on at the plant or the farm or or in the lab, um, or or our you know we're we're always kind of putting news up there about what we're doing, and and uh, which gotcha. is which is fun. Yeah, very cool, and we'll have a link in our. Um on our website for, for your LinkedIn, if you like, and we'll talk about it after and also for, um, uh, for, for your company website. So, um, very cool. Again, Rich, thanks for being on the show. It's so exciting to see what you guys are doing. This is you, you've been steadfast on this industry and for the core purpose for, for humanity for, for 10 years now. And, and I love where you're going with it. It's super exciting. Um, we'll have to have you back on the show in a year or something as you know, follow your progress. Um, for the listeners, please hit the like and subscribe and help us spread the word about the show and, uh, what we're doing here, helping the, the up and coming leaders, um, be that much more successful. So with that again, Rich, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we'll Welcome. see you in the Thank next you episode. Very much. Yeah, you bet. All right. Take care, everyone. Sure. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.